The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. July 11th, 2019, otherwise known as International Quickie Mart Appreciation Day. Thank you. Come again. My name is Jargo. That's the real RBV, and you are tuned in to HTM Sports here at hittingthemarks.com. You can find me across all social media at NotJargo. Find him at the real RBV Rick. Welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that art of the beat of the beat. Rick Vickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. And I guess, you know, looking at this tremendous run that we got so much to cover, you know, people always talk about that lull you see in professional sports in the summertime. And to me, this is, you know, no pun intended, the hottest time of season. But as you're bringing it up here, it's the National Quickie Mart Day. National Quickie Mart Day. It's Jugger, can you answer this for me? Uh-oh. I, I know he's been written off because they, they lost his voice. I mean, what, what happened to Apu? I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a very valid question. My only assumption is that ICE had him deported. Uh, they, they finally came down on the quickie mark. Yep, yeah, they, they, they finally hit Springfield. I, I love me some Simpsons, but I love them over on FXX. Uh, I love going back and watching the old ones, so I'm not up, I'm not hip to what's going on on the modern seasons, you know, until they're allowed to air those. You know, it's usually a season behind or something like that. Uh, yeah, so I, I knew everything going on with uh, the gentleman that was doing The Voice. He kind of got on that PC bandwagon after all these years and, and all the money that he made through that voice. I wonder if he's giving that portion of his contract back or even donating that towards, you know, a, a noteworthy charity that's going to bring race relations between us and our Quickie Mart friends. Well, you know, speaking of race relations, let's give a shout out to our friend the Andrew Bello over at Cancel This Political Podcast. Uh, of course, uh, Fox News seems like it's always on in my house, whether I want it to be or not, because Carly is absolutely addicted to it. You talk about race relations. Did you see the Democrats are even trying to poach themselves now? AOC accused Nancy Pelosi of being a racist today. Yeah, you, you know, that was just a matter of time before the implosion, before, you know, you, you have that one. You know what? Hey, I'm going to go with a reference you probably would never think I'm going to go with here. You got that one little. You got that one little spot within the Death Star where it's going to implode itself, and that is what is happening right here. Look, look at this Democratic Party. They have already started turning on each other. You see AOC and some of her cohorts going after some of you know the older white gentlemen in there, already attacking them for you know for racist relations in in their past or sexism things like that. They are absolutely trying to hijack hijack this entire party. It is absolutely going to destroy. You were talking about. We, we needed a separate party. We needed to grow beyond this two-party system. We're eventually going to have that because the Democrats are just killing themselves. Yeah, there's the Socialist Party, the Democratic Party, and the Republicans. That's what's going to come up. I'm not surprised that you know that, Huckleberry, because I know you're a big Family Guy fan. I'm guessing that you saw that in Blue Harvest? Uh, it, it actually, you know, the, the wealth of my uh, Star Wars knowledge usually comes from Family Guy and a little bit of Robot Chicken. Uh, if uh, we could get them to uh, redo, like, you know, uh, episodes one, two, and three, because I'm dying to see the Family Guy take on Jar Jar Banks, I assume it will be Meg. And uh, then we need Rogue One. And if we could get, you know, episode seven, episode eight. Now, I think, you know, a good Jar Jar might be uh, Quagmire. Ooh. Well, you know, in the history of the Star Wars universe, Jar Jar Banks is the single 
most important character. I'm sure I'm going to catch some heat for that, but you can find me at NotJargo. I'll explain it to you. Today, Huckleberry, we've got a lot of sports to talk about, and then after this, we're going to record the uh, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We've got 41 wrestling matches to talk about this week. It's, it's going to be uh, quite the weekend. But I guess we have to start things off this week with the USA Women's National Team. Yeah, we're going to lead with freaking soccer. I, I, I didn't watch any of this. Uh, the, the USA Women's National Team claims their fourth World Cup, defeats the Netherlands 2 to nothing. Rick, before we get all political here, did you watch any of the Women's World Cup? I did, you know, I, I was actually very, I was locked in, you know, cause you know, I'm very patriotic. I, I want to root for the red, white, and blue and, and do my part. Uh, for most of these games, I was locked in, uh, I'm not even kidding you for maybe, maybe two to five minutes. And then I realized I was watching soccer. Uh, but then, you know, you get, you get into that elimination round, which is a little more interesting than just the round Robin. And they had some tough games there, you know, the semifinals against England. And I thought that that last week was very fitting. You know, we take care we take care of England just days before our country celebrates our birthday when we broke apart from England. So you kind of have that story tied in. So you have the dramatics there. And I and I mainly want to see in especially in that game and in, in the finals there against the Netherlands, you know, the presentation, the storytelling. How is this going to be presented? You know, not so much about the game itself. So I was locked in, uh, I was all locked in for each of those games. And I'll tell you what, outside of some of these headlines, we got some incredible athletes, you know, just going completely, you know, completely over the top athletic ability. It was probably some of the more entertaining soccer matches that I've remember watching. My issue with soccer is it's just so damn boring and I don't understand it. And I actually, uh, my old guitar player's now wife also works at the TV station with me and she is originally from Spain. And so I got her the job. We worked together two days a week. And I thought maybe when Christina started working there, she could explain soccer to me. You know what, Rick? She doesn't fucking understand it either. It doesn't make any damn sense. And the thing that really gets me is this extra time. Like, I understand what the overtime rules are for most sports. You know, you got to tie at the end of it and then you go to overtime. But they do this extra time thing in soccer and it just doesn't make any logical kind of sense to me. The well, other- I, you know, I think, I think we're, we're going to have to hook you up there with, uh, with Joe Atherton. You know, because he's regularly, he just, you know, I was just before, I was looking at the run here before we got going. He's super excited. He's landed some hot seats for a big match that's going on over there in the UK. But I do think, you know, that that's what's kind of lost in, in translation when you're talking to, you know, especially the United States audience with Canada. I mean, we're used to a countdown. We know when our game's over. And if you have to extend it, we know how much extra time you're going there. That counting up, zero stoppage, except for what the referee knows. I mean, where is this being recorded? And then they don't even give you an exact overage, even through their commentary or how they relay it of what the, you know, the bonus time is going to be. It's just kind of a guesstimate. I mean, where's the excitement in the countdown? And you're kind of like, oh, it's over. Well, and this is one of the things that we're going to talk about on the Pro Wrestling Podcast this week. During the G1 special from Dallas, I thought that commentary did a real nice job of trying to explain to people what the G1 is, how the G1 works. I wish they would do that with soccer, because at no point do they ever actually explain the rules to the viewer. It's like they just assume that we all know these rules that I'm not even sure really exist. For a sport that's so damn structured, I just don't understand it. The other problem is the 
field is too damn big. If they would take that field and cut it about in half so it was more like the size of a hockey rink instead of a football field, I would find the game much more entertaining. But since we don't know anything about soccer, let's look at something that we do know something about, and that is numbers. Uh, Megan Rapino, probably the best player. Well, I shouldn't even say probably. She won the damn trophy for being uh, the best Yeah, player. you know what? That that was more of a political excuse, a political reason. I mean, once again, Jim, she, she missed the semifinal. She's brought in here to kick that penalty kick, you know, to get them on the board, to give them the lead. She wasn't even involved in it. They've given her that spot again because she is at the forefront. She is a center, and, and more so, she's the center of controversy, and, and which is also going to account for what we're going to talk here, and it's a lot of the numbers and why people are turned away from this team and essentially this product. Well, the big thing going on right now is we want equal pay for both the men and the women. And so being the numbers nerd that I am, I actually jumped into these numbers a little bit. One problem that I do know exists inside the world of soccer is the governing body for the world of soccer is incredibly corrupt. We talk about this every time there's one of these big soccer tournaments. Well, it seems as though the United States soccer program is almost as corrupt corrupt, if not as corrupt as FIFA. And I say that mostly because there's just too damn much on their plate. All right. When I look at this governing body that overlooks soccer just inside the United States, they govern over Major League Soccer, the National Women's Soccer League, the North American Soccer League, the United Soccer League. And then there's a whole adult console, the the youth console, USSF state soccer associations and their affiliate members. Like this is a giant company. All right. And the, the issue becomes when you look at the amount of revenue generated by both the men and the women, and then you look at this pay gap. Now, also keep in mind, all of this is collectively bargained. So the women agreed to their deal. The men agreed to their deal. So as, as far as a leg to stand on for we, we need to be paid more, we need to be paid more. You should have collectively bargained to be paid more. That's that's really what I look at. In 2018, the Men's World Cup revenue generated approximately $6 billion, with the participating teams sharing about $400 million of the total revenue. That comes up to about 7% that was divvied up between all the teams to dole out to all of the players. The 2019 Women's World Cup, by comparison, generated about $131 million, with the participating teams sharing about $30 million of the overall revenue, which comes up to about 20%. So the women are actually getting a higher percentage of the gross revenue than what the men are. It's just that 7% of $6 billion comes out to be a little bit more money than 20% of $30 million. And as I jumped into this even further, Rick, we've talked about this before, that it's just a matter of time until this hits all the sports. When you look at the NBA, it's very, very similar. The NBA 2018 revenue was $7.4 billion, and the WNBA revenue was $52.4 million. Now, when you look at it on paper, the WNBA max contract is all of $115,000 a year, whereas an NBA max contract is $38 million a year. Why? Because of the revenue generated. And at the core of this issue, that's really the problem. The women want equal pay to the men, but the men are drawing so much more money 
That's really the problem. The problem isn't the American Soccer Federation. The problem is women's sports just aren't as popular as men's. Well, it, it is what it is. Yet the, every number you just laid out there, Jargo, top to bottom, I and mean, we can look at the percentages. And I want to go back to your initial statement there. You know, you're the first lead in your head, but the saying maybe one of the major issues is is a monopoly, especially that we're seeing here in U.S. soccer. Absolutely, but you have one governing body here. You know, that's ultimately controlling all this and going outside of how you're producing your revenue and popularity. Well, I'm going to speak to that here in a moment. But, you know, if you are, you know, if you're a women's, you know, a league in this thing and maybe not just the top one or all of them and you feel you can do better then break away from that. Maybe you feel you are being slighted when it comes to marketing or you're being slighted when it comes to. You know, approaching advertisers or television deals. If you feel that way, then yes, go ahead and try your hand. But I have a feeling that someone in there realizes that they need they need that platform. They need them to stay relevant. Uh, as we had here, you know, the women, the U.S. women themselves, they're out there, you know, pounding their chest. You know, we're here to stop. We're here to talk about women's rights, equal pay. Everybody's all all about this thing here. But even their top stars admittedly themselves are coming out here and pleading with fans, please fill our arenas, please buy our jerseys, buy our tickets, you know, crave us for on, on home television so that advertisers are going to get on board. So then, then themselves, they realize what's happening. Even though they're getting a bigger cut of the pie, the pie is just smaller. And that's a, and that's a reality around all professional sports. You know, it's just not distinctive to soccer, but I think it's more, even outside of just you know this past month or so with the World Cup, I think it's it's more highlighted in soccer because that seems as a sport where you know our national women's team was well established before Major League Soccer, before the men started really having any success. They were rocking and rolling. They were moving towards World Cup, so they're the driving force there. But a hard pill to swallow is I mean you're talking about two different entities between men's athletes. Men athletics and women's athletics. Well, and we see it in basketball. I mean, that's that's the probably the closest comparison because it's not like there's women's football that we can begin to compare the NFL to. Yeah, there are women's football leagues, but they're nowhere remotely close to on the same playing field. Well, is that because the NFL doesn't associate themselves with them? I mean, you got the Legends, which was the lingerie league. You know, they have television deals. I don't yep. know what they're pulling and all that. Uh, you know, linking it, linking into wrestling. There's been a few good ones. Summer Ray really jumps out to me, who made the jump from the lingerie football league into professional wrestling and all that. Incredible athlete, right? That people didn't give her credit for. But you know, those women's football leagues, they don't have direct tie-ins to the NFL. Where the WNBA, it's only surviving because of the NBA. I mean, half of those teams are owned by the NBA because yeah. private franchisees, private owners, could not, you know, could not sustain what it took to run those operations. And as we laid out, you know, if the women feel that they could be in soccer, that they could be stand on their own and, and thrive more, then separate from the men's association. Get yourself away from that there. Hey, there, there's a reason in here. You know, another one, we don't have any. Major League Baseball has no intent to bring, you know, it doesn't have any links to professional softball or even right. going back to, you know, during the war and all that that had a, a little bit of success because people just wanted to see the sport with the women's leagues and all that. They realize there's not a need for that marketplace. And the thing that really drives me nuts, especially about Megan Rapino, that she said this yesterday, how fans can support their fight for equal pay 
come to games, buy jerseys, buy season tickets, tell your friends about us. She knows full damn well what the deal is. And she's just using the current political climate to advance her agenda. That's the thing that really pisses me off about this woman. Everything with here with Rapido, it's it's all all that, you know, her honestly admitting to that. And there's been other the other the top players that have admitted to it in different ways here. But those comments, they get buried under the other platform where you hear equal pay, women, you know, women are being held down. And then anything that that loud mouth is going to go, you know, just spout off of, about Trump and any of the political atmosphere that's going on here. When in reality, she knows what the issue is. She knows what the what the problem is. And she is an absolute phony. And I can't wait for two weeks to go by where no one remembers her and no one is thinking about her. Yep, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I will support, though, I will support as far as a base salary coming from the United States Soccer Federation, the men and the women should be paid equally. But I also support that they should partake in their own revenue sharing programs. It shouldn't just be one giant pot that gets divvied up between everybody. And I understand people are saying, oh, well, the TV ratings, the TV ratings. I understand that. But the problem is the women's licensing fee isn't nearly as high as the men's. And when it comes to the advertisers, if you're getting candy commercials versus beer companies and cars, let me tell you which one pays a little bit more. It's not all about the ratings. Well, I, I know it. I, I live in it. Do you guys have do you guys have a, a major league soccer team, the men's there close close by to you? Uh Chicago, the Chicago Fire. Okay, so yeah, that's your closest one there. Uh here in Ohio, you know, we've had a couple of them. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking with you in Cincinnati. This is their first season here. Uh they were absolutely as they were like in triple A working up on fire. They're struggling to make that jump to major league, but they still have a huge following here. They're still on television every week here locally. They're, they're still continuing to draw to their stadium. They've built a new arena down there. They're attracting businesses in that area in right or wrong. Because uh, there is a debate here, you know, if these cities are overbuilding stadiums, that's something else here. But there, there's a drive towards that for men, even men's soccer. I can't not remember outside of international play that I've turned on the television. I don't care. It's the Ocho. And I'm flipping around at 3 a.m. in the morning that I have seen a U.S. Women's Soccer League game. Yeah, we have an indoor soccer league here in Cedar Rapids. Never been to it. Have no intention of going to it either. Um, let's, uh, let's shift a little bit. Let's uh, move on to the NBA Huckleberry. Our NBA talk for the year is almost over. Thankfully the season, you know, tips off again in October. Um, but we have to talk about Kawhi Leonard because last week when we had this conversation, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Kawhi Leonard was going to join King James and Anthony Davis, the brow in Los Angeles. Well, he certainly went to Los Angeles and he's teaming up with somebody, but it's not LeBron James or Anthony Davis and it's not the Lakers. He's going to the fucking Clippers. Yeah, the fucking Clippers. Now, there's a lot to digest and a lot to unpack when it comes to this Clippers deal. It was assumed when it came out that Kawhi signed with the Clippers that this was going to be a four-year, $142 million max contract Rick, that's not the case. He did not sign a four-year contract with the Clippers. He signed a two-year contract with the Clippers with a player option for a third year. And people are wondering, now, why in the world would he do that? Well, number one, he's got an escape hatch from the Clippers. Number two, 
at that point, he will have been in the league long enough that he can qualify for a super max deal, which comes up to a roughly about another $50 million. Rick, these NBA contracts are completely out of control. Before we talk about Paul George and Kawhi completely screwing over the Lakers and the Raptors, what were your first thoughts when you saw Kawhi to the Clippers? You know, at first, even immediately when the news broke here and what the contract was all about, it, it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, he is he is a rambling man, and he is a gypsy. This this is what he has proven. He doesn't like to settle down. He's looking for that next great move, looking to improve himself. And that's what you get in a league of superstars. Because all these guys, they're out front. We know their faces. We know their names. You've got, you know, a, a dozen, a baker's dozen or so that outshine even the franchises themselves. And he is in that group. And he is arguably right now the hottest hand in that group of what he's done. You know, two different teams, two MVPs, championships. I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. You can't fault him in that nature. He's playing the system here. He is working the system. And when you really look at how, all right, because it was, you know, from all reports, everybody, everywhere, hey, it's, you know, it's either going back to Toronto, there might be an outside chance somewhere east. The Lakers have pretty much got this thing cemented. You got to believe the other way the Clippers got this done was to fold and buy into this deal here. Well, and which brings us to Paul George who, ironically enough, pulled a Kawhi Leonard. He went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he said, I'm demanding a trade. You've got to get me the hell out of here. I can't play with Russell Westbrook anymore. I want to go to Los Angeles, where, which is what he said two freaking years ago, which is why everybody thought that he was going to end up a Laker when he went to Oklahoma City. Everybody was floored when he re-signed with Oklahoma City. He's still got three years left on a four-year contract. It was a $137 million max deal. It goes up a little bit every year, according to the salary cap. Rick, there's there's so much to unpack here. Number one, LeBron James is getting an awful lot of flack for this, for bringing this whole player mobility era into the NBA. This is something completely different. When LeBron left and went to Miami, he was a free agent. He didn't go to Dan Gilbert and say, get me the hell out of Cleveland. That's exactly what Kawhi Leonard did to San Antonio. That's exactly what Paul George has done here to Oklahoma City. Adam Silver's not happy about this. You can bet your ass the league owners are not happy about this because what they're saying is contracts don't matter. That's really what is being said by the NBA players here. Paul George can get away with it. Kawhi Leonard can get away with it. There's maybe another half a dozen players that you could see that could actually get away with this. But Rick, how long until it trickles on down and pretty soon you've got somebody like Kemba Walker saying, no, get me the hell out of Boston. Like, or I'm just not going to play anymore. Like this is going to ruin the league. Well, you know, two points here uh, to give, uh, to give LeBron a little credit, you, you had mentioned the first time when he left Cleveland, it was free agency. He was going to announce this thing, you know, agree or disagree with how he went about it, but it wasn't holding a team hostage. It wasn't forcing anyone's hand. Uh, there was also talk too last time he left, when he just left for LA, he could have picked up an option, you know, and said, Hey, you know, make this trade for me here. Try to drive it up. Maybe you guys get something back on this here. He said, you know what? I'm just going to part ways. I'm just going to go do my thing. You guys rebuilt there. We're not going to Kind of, you know, kind of confused this thing with so much business happenings going on. He went on his way here. 
Speak to the overall bigger picture of what you're talking about, this trickle-down effect. These the players now almost holding the league and the teams hostage. It reminds me quite a bit going back to when the N- the NHL just shut down. Said we've had enough. We've had an abs- we've had we've had an absolute enough of the players trying, you know, I guess, you know, the crazies can't run the asylum. Yeah. That's that's basically what was happening inside the NHL too. Yeah, and that's why, and, and you know, and look at how hard it go. But if you're the NBA, NBA is one of the hottest tickets there are. It, you know, it is a hottest ticket. It is going right now. Uh, those teams, those franchises, they're they're over the top and all this. And look how devastating that was to the NHL. They hit the draw that hard line in the sand. And they're, they they're still just, haven't recovered. They're just still a little bit. But then, even in that recovery phase, they try to rethink their game to try to reinvent it. Now it's so confusing that it just completely turns people off. Yeah, uh, it's you know they're on a second tier market. They're not dominating ratings. They're uh, you know almost falling out of the top four. The NBC it, it, deal has helped a lot. Having the Stanley Cup Finals on NBC on USA Network, the NBC Universal deal has helped the NHL immensely the last three years. Well, and I think you know a lot of that was because NBC itself, NBC Sports was in such disarray at the time. Yeah. You know, they were looking for anything. Let's, let's not forget this was this was a sports network that took a gamble on the original XFL because when the NFL walked out on them at, at that point, you know, they were in shambles. They were kind of just running in circles trying to find anything here and they got the NHL on cheap at that point. And I believe that's still the original deal, isn't it? Yeah, which in the other thing that the uh, NBC carries is tennis. And to go back to the original conversation we were having about the men and the women and the pay gap, women's tennis, much better than men's tennis. Guess who gets paid more? The men's tennis players. Why? Because of the ratings and because of the advertisers and because of the sponsorship deals. And I mean, it, it, it's this, it doesn't matter what the sport is. It, it just travels across the world of sports. It is. What it, it is. is. And in any media, the way like you can watch your sports center highlights and all that and twist and bleed whatever you want. But the bottom line is it's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when it comes to athletics, it, the men are just going to produce more. So let's talk about the other part of this. Uh, Kawhi Leonard holds up the Lakers and the Toronto Raptors. And this, I have a bit of issue with, of course, as a Lakers fan. And you know, if this would have happened with the Lakers, I would still have issues with it too. What took so damn long is they were trying to get this Paul George thing in place. That's what was taking so damn long because Kawhi Leonard told the Clippers, I will come to the Clippers if you can get Paul George. And then the Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder had to work out the most ridiculous trade package that you have ever seen in your life. Four unprotected first round picks, one protected first round pick, two pick swaps, a couple of players like Oklahoma City came out about seven players ahead in this deal for Paul George. And Rick, this is where things get really interesting. Paul George has a metal rod in his leg. Paul George had surgery on his shoulder in the offseason to repair a torn labrum, which inside the world of professional wrestling, we know all about all too well. Oh, yeah. And he had to have surgery on the other shoulder to repair a torn rotator cuff. And now the Clippers have this guy under contract for three years left on a hundred and thirty seven million dollar max deal. Kevin Durant just signed a $142 million max deal, and he's not even going to play for a year. They're going to pay him $40 million to rehab for a year in Brooklyn. 
You know, you know what? I'm really going to kind of link this towards, you, you know, I love my cheesy reality television, right? We talk about this all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, this, this reminds me. And yes, I, I will admit it. Uh, if I see it's on, I will sit and watch it for four or five hours. If I have the time as I'm working, keep my eye on it. And I don't know if it's actually the, the players. Actually, I think it's the agents using the players as their profile picture. This reminds me of catfish, the television show completely. They are going to these franchises. They are working these owners over. You know, they're, they're posting the, the picture of that sexy Kevin Durant and everything that he could do. And, hey, baby, I love you. It's going to be about all about us. Now, I ain't talking. I ain't talking to them Lakers. You know, they're doing all this. They're working their different angles here. So you get Nev on this thing. They need Nev to have, like, all of these teams meet at a Denny's somewhere in a park parking lot, all meet up and have a, a, a straight one-on-one confrontation, call each other out. Separate, you know, just to separate all, all these issues, straighten this thing out. This is what this is turning into. I mean, this is turning into I mean, it's, it's a tremendous poker game that we're seeing here. And some of these people are getting fooled and their hands are being pushed. And I think, you know, just speaking about the Clippers here, you're talking about, you know, this deal that they give that they give Leonard. And now you got with George, who you know, we don't know what we're going to get the walking wounded. But, well, and it's not like Kawhi's a whole lot better. Two years ago, he only played nine games in San Antonio, and one of the biggest things in Toronto was load management. He took 22 games off in Toronto. Well, and they produced well while he was gone as well. You know, so you're hoping that you can put all these other factors around them, but if you're the Clippers, though, you're in a spot where, as we've talked about so many times, Jargo, you, you mentioned this, they've done everything so right for so many years, but just because they're that little brother, you know, and not even the little brother, you know, the fifth or sixth in their market. Well, and but they have to, they have to try anything. That's the thing. Like everybody's like, oh my God, they paid so much for Paul George. They had to, because they didn't just pay this for Paul George. They paid this for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi wasn't coming without Paul George. That make absolutely no bones about that. The other part of this is if they don't they absolutely do this deal, needed to lock down the number two. If they don't do this deal, they are irrelevant. If Kawhi goes to the Lakers, where does that leave the Clippers? They are irrelevant. You might as well pack that team up and move it to Seattle. Well, that's I, that's what I had mentioned to you. You know, last time we were all with, talking about this, I said, no, if they cannot lock anybody down right here, and you see Leonard go to. To the Lakers, I mean, what? And with a management team that is focused, that, that seems to be doing the right things, they should have just shut up shop in L.A. and got the hell out of Dodge. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Oklahoma City makes out like a bandit, or at least that's what they would have you think. What they actually bought themselves is a get-out-of-jail-free card because Russell Westbrook now wants out of Oklahoma City. Paul George is gone. Russell Westbrook wants the hell out of there, too. There's only one problem. Russell Westbrook has arguably the worst contract in the NBA. He's 31 years old. He's got four years left on his deal. $170 million for Russell Westbrook. Rick, this is almost an untradeable contract. Like we talk about the Chris Paul deal when Chris Paul was wanting out of Houston, his contract's not even as bad as Russell Westbrook's. Well, I think, you know, at this point, you know, what, what, what OKC lined up with, what they set themselves up with, it's not necessarily about rebuilding them. It's about trying to package things to get someone to convince them to take Russ, you know, Westbrook off their hands. And if you eat this deal, we'll give you half these picks too. So at least that's what's going to happen. They're going <laughs> to call up the Miami heat 
and they are going to trade Russell Westbrook and you know what for taking on this awful contract here have half of these picks that we got from the freaking Clippers you know what the NBA is is absolutely turning into it's it's that old saying you know for every hot girl there's a guy tired of fucking her Yep, and that's what we're getting here, and they're just passing each other around. I really think it's you know it's we're going to talk about here. I think it's a good lead, and you know I think it's amazing that we're getting away from you know the three amigo system into the dynamic duo system, just because people are getting tired. Of, you know they're starting to weed these things out, and that's going to be the big question going forward. You know when is enough going to be enough? So all the talk is Miami. And, you know, I cannot think of a worse person to be living in Miami than Russell Westbrook. Actually, I can. There's one worse than that. Kawhi Leonard living in Los Angeles as the face of the Clippers. You hid in San Antonio. You hid in Toronto. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't like talking to the media. Welcome to Los Angeles, where you are now up against LeBron freaking James, and there is going to be a microphone in your face every time you turn around from taking a piss. I think Kawhi's going to melt down. I, I get that there. It, it, you know, this is all going to be a part of the management of the Clippers, and this is where I do believe in them because they do. They seem to do everything right right now. They are in the right direction. They still realize, even though you you join this dynamic duo, you know, group of of franchises that are looking to make moves here, you're still you're still the Peter to the Greg yep. in, in that area, and there's still a. And no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing there's still only going to be a fraction of care and concern to what the hell LeBron and his crew are doing. So I assume Westbrook ends up in Miami alongside of Jimmy Butler. There are a couple other options out there. There's the Detroit Pistons floating around. There's the Orlando Magic floating around. Two teams that are really just trying to sell tickets. The other one that I have heard mentioned, Big Ray, don't get yourself excited, is the New York Knicks. This would be the most New York Knicks thing on the face of the planet to do is to trade for Russell Westbrook and try to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg. That's a terrible idea. I don't even say that's putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. That's like uh, the old Red Green show. If they don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Get the duct tape out because that's what you're going here. And out of these out of these options you've got here, Detroit, Orlando, New York, I absolutely see New York being the one. This thing is absolutely already a disaster, and what a better fit than Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I could just say that would be like the most New York Knicks thing ever to do. Don't do it, Dolan. Don't do it. It's a terrible idea. Don't do it. I, I think, and I think there, you know, is Big Ray, you know, and, and the other great Knicks fans have, have sounded off on social media. It, that's all in the management, you know. That's all in front office that's falling apart. There, they're going to try anything desperately to to create a spark to get some kind of momentum going with themselves, even if it's a complete facade. You mentioned the dynamic duo, so here's kind of how things play out right at the moment. You've got Kawhi and PG-13 at the Clippers. You've got LeBron and Anthony Davis at the Lakers. You've got the Splash Brothers still up there in Golden State. You've got Harden and CP3 in Houston. Butler and Westbrook in Miami uh, next year, anyway. You'll have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. You've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in Philly. I kind of like the, the, the two superstars thing. You know, it, it, but it's all going to be out the support system. Uh, I was just kind of, I was you know doing a little 
afternoon prepping all this, checking out uh, some of the betting odds that I think is really interesting, which, again, is just being created by that hype machine. It's driving the media. The two odds-on favorites right now through Vegas are both of your Los Angeles teams. I absolutely do not see it going that way. You know, neither do I. I st- anybody that's overlooking Golden State, I think you're absolutely insane. Well, you know, outside of that, I agree with you 100% there. And and you were talking about that they're going to get uh, get rid of Russell when, you know, once the I'm not the sure. comes back. I don't think that – I said from the get-go there, Jargo, I told you. They can find a way to make this dynamic work, especially, you know, now that maybe uh, Cook might be exiting there. If they can keep that dynamic where they are going to be uh, a tremendous three still around there, and if they can get hot at a given time, and this is a franchise top to bottom from management to coaching to players, you know, your starters, your bench that have been there, done this. You know, they're not going to be starstruck by this. Look at what they, you know, they lost this year, sure. They were decimated, and they fought with every bit that they had. They, they showed the heart of a champion, the true character of a champion. You're not going to just lose that just because seemingly everything else gets sexier around you. You know, outside of that, it, it, everybody, everybody just went overboard with the Clippers to me. I don't really believe that they've really elevated that themselves. Out of all these teams that are contention in the West, I think they're – no, handedly still far inferior to the Lakers with, with their all-star true, you know, with their all-star duo, but are those two going to be able to coexist? Can they fill in all those gaps that they let go, uh, you know, to fill in that roster? There's going to be other big things here. And a lot of these teams, we're not even going to know for a year or so, it, it, you know, how this thing is going to pan out. I'll tell you who really stands out to me here, who, who I really like. And this might not be, you know, to win a championship, but you get there, you pick the, you pick your right shot. It's Philadelphia. Let's not forget, they were buzzer beater away from knocking out the world champions. They could have been right there. They're still a hard-nosed basketball team. They're still good top to bottom. I'm really liking the Sixers, especially in the East. I really like that Jimmy Butler left Philadelphia because I'm not a Jimmy Butler fan. I watched him play in Chicago for all those years. I, I, should, I think he's a head case. I think that's the problem with Jimmy Butler, right? right? So Jimmy Butler goes out. You bring in Al Horford, who brings in probably the most mature guy in the league to, to put up there alongside Embiid and Simmons. I really like what Philly's putting together out there. The other team that I really like what they're putting together is the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers and the Lakers get on the phone. They start making some calls. Huckleberry, when I look at this roster, you know, when it was just LeBron James and Anthony Davis and we're like, what the hell are they going to do? Well, now they've got Avery Bradley. They've got Danny Green. They've got Rondo. They've got Contavious Caldwell Pope. They brought in Boogie Cousins, who also played with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. We brought in Quinn Cook, my favorite young Young player in the league. We still got Kyle Kuzma. We still got JaVale McGee. That goes 10 deep. That's a pretty solid freaking lineup. The only question is, how is LeBron and Anthony Davis going to pair up with one another? And I don't like this idea of LeBron being the point guard. I'm fine with him basically handling the ball, but I don't want him as my point guard. I'd rather have Rondo or Cook out there. Well, and it, LeBron's going to run that spot. That's what he likes to be in. Absolutely. You of know, course. you get to that half court, give him the ball, let him set your offense here. You know, I like to point out another thing. You know, you know, you know sometimes I'll take my shots at LeBron because, you know, I, I get so many of them here in, in Ohio and how we feel about him. But, you know, to, to give him credit, you know, he understands this is his craft. 
he wants to be regarded as one of the best players ever. And, you know, he might have all these other things, you know, moving out to La La Land last year, he's getting his family adjusted. You know, the wife's getting into the fashion world. The kids are making this move. You know, they have aspirations of their own and all that. He's making an adjustment. Things weren't falling into place. You can lose track. LeBron is an individual who can you know, regain focus just like that. And he wants to show the world wrong. I mean, almost what happened last year is almost kind of him uh, ribbing everybody. You know, hooking you in, count me out, count me out. See, I can't do this. Show me that this franchise was in shambles, which it was, and give me one more year, give me a year or two, and I'll show you. I'll do this again. I'll win I mean, that's what he is. He's got that chip on his shoulder because he's a, he's just a competitive son of a bitch. I like this roster. It, it looks like a damn good team to me. I like the roster. Uh also, I know one thing we were looking forward to last week. RJ and Zion faced off out there in uh, Las Vegas until the earthquake said, nope, we're, we've had enough of that. Uh, but the big story coming out of it, Rick, Zion out for the rest of the summer league. He ended up banging knees with uh, one of the Knicks players. You just consider this precautionary or anything to worry about? You know what these things you know, going into the summer league thing, we had talked about, we tune in maybe to check out a couple stats or highlights. We weren't really going out of our way to watch a game. They knew what they were doing. They knew the NBA, they knew what they're doing. Let's set 19, this thing up. 19,000 people sold out for a summer yes. league game. Let's, let's set this thing up. Coming out of the gate, people are excited. I don't ever think there was so much intent to have these guys playing all that much because you never want to run that risk. You know, when you look at different preseasons and how they work in sports, none of them are as extensive, you know, or risque as the NBA, essentially. So you're not going to run somebody out here like this is your franchise going forward. If anything, it creates a little bit more of a buzz. Your marketing machine, when he tips off that first night, how is he going to react here? What's going on? Or, you know, Zion's road to recovery. This is marketing 101. Absolute genius. I don't think they had a lot of plans for him playing, you know, a lot of these games here at all. The one bright spot for the New York Knicks in the offseason was scoring R.J. Barrett. His summer has started off a little bit slow. First couple of games, he goes 7 for 33 for a total of 18 points. And then he erupts in game 3, 17 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. That's more the R.J. Barrett that we uh, know and love and that I absolutely expect, man. R.J., he's got that Jay-Z quality to him. Like, he's just, he screams New York. And I really hope that he can put together a run and become the face of the New York Knicks. When you look at this thing too, I mean, it's, it's transitional periods too. For, you know, if, if you're going from high school to summer league to college to NBA, it's going to be a transition here. There's a lot of pressure on this kid. I mean, he was expecting, you got to believe, you know, when his agents were talking to him, hey man, number three Knicks, we're going to the Big Apple. You're going to be able to be a future king here. This is the this is the one of the biggest markets. They are hungry. There's guys like Big Ray that will carry you around on his shoulder every day of the swag. week. He's got that on him. But then they're probably talking to him like, but you know, out of the gate though. I mean, this is your team. This is your franchise for you know a decade. They're going to get you another big player, man. You're talking to Kevin Durant. They're talking to Kyrie Irving, you know, they're talking to Anthony Davis. We got all these conversations. And then, you know, after a week after you get Nothing. drafted, nobody wants to come play with you. Nothing. <laughs> you're just that lone kid out there, you know, it's the sun setting. They're turning on the lights at the basketball court and everybody's, there's nobody around. 
Awful. Let's talk a little bit of baseball as we wrap this thing up. The All-Star Game went down last night. Huckleberry, I, I know that you're a big fan of the All-Star Games. Went down there in Cleveland. Had to be great for the local economy. American League downs the National League 4-3, to three, like the seventh straight year, because the American League is just better than the National League. Go Yankees. 90, 90 wins all time for the American League. Are All-Star Games still relevant in 2019? I mean, I guess I'll preface this. I am not an All-Star Game person. I don't like the Pro Bowl. I don't like the NHL All-Star Game. I don't like the NBA All-Star Game. I don't like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. It just seems pointless to me. It's It does nothing for me. Well, I was happy me, to see that it was a pitching duel instead of a 17-15 to 15 freaking baseball game. We, well, I guess with two points here, let's get into where you started out here. I mean, these games, absolutely the impact on privately owned business in local economy. And that's from, you know, restaurants, hotels, uh, bars, uh, taxis, you know, transportation. But, you know, my big question there is, you know, that's a, that's a tremendous effect on privately owned business. And you see a little of that into, you know, like with transit, if the cities do well, and you're hoping the more, you know, revenue that's brought in is going to generate taxes. Uh, but, you know, the big question there is when you're looking at the metropolitan like that, and you're looking at the local government, what is the, the ROI? What is your return on investment there? Because you, I mean, just bringing in the extra law enforcement, the extra, you know, the venue upgrades, all the city planning, and you're hoping that you're going to get that tax dollar back without seeing, you know, that immediate financial impact. You really have to wonder, just outside of all-star games, look at like the big events like a Super Bowl and things like that. Now, we've seen where, you know, they're great, or WrestleMania. You know, we've look seen, at the you know, draft this year in freaking Nashville. That place was insane. But, you know, going back, I, I know when Jacksonville hosted the Super Bowl, they took a bath on it because a city like that was not prepared. They had to build all these different venues outside of making sure that stadium was a place each vent to as itself, you know, what does that mean for the local government system? But absolutely, I mean, it is a tremendous impact on privately owned business, top to bottom, uh, you know, bringing eyes just on a city, even for their tourism, to bring people in otherwise, to, to highlight something is that. But speaking to the games themselves and the points, you know, that, that they bring about, what is it that you don't like about them, Jargo? It's just, it's a pointless exhibition game in the middle of the season for me. It, it just does absolutely nothing for me. And especially with as much as we're seeing interleague play now, like there used to be the appeal that you would see the American League's best pitchers face off with the National League's best hitters. But that even that appeal is just completely gone to me now, now that we have interleague play like every other day. Well, I think, too, what we have to look at, you know, this is, as you said, it is like a midseason break. It takes you away from everything, but it's not a total break where you just check out and forget about it. They're giving you something unique. If these are just they're special attractions. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what they are. They should they shouldn't be thought of with anything else than that. And it's just not about the game itself. It's not about the game itself. It's about everything that's happening around that. You know, what special events are happening in the city for the you know, for most cases, Major League Baseball, those the game's not the popular part. It's the home run derby. How about uh, you Vlad know, Guerrero making himself a freaking household star after that home run derby and then not even winning the damn thing? Well, and, and that's the problem, too. They've overthought these things, especially in Major League Baseball. You know, home run derby, just go out there and swing and whoever's got the most. We don't need these brackets to make it more interesting like 91 that. 91 home run. It still doesn't win the thing. You know, just go out there and swing. Have a couple rounds where maybe you drop a couple people off if they're not in the running there. But get rid of this bracket. You know, it's almost like, you know, in Major League Baseball, they thankfully they did away with it when they were playing for home field advantage. Yeah, that you know, was don't, awful. Don't don't try to pretend that you're something you're not. 
And, you know, and we could revamp these things, you know, like the NBA, they got rid of the East and the West. We have the team captains, which I think has made it a little bit more interesting. Doesn't matter. Nobody plays defense. Right. Uh, So at that point, so getting up and down, you know what I'd like to see there? Uh, Take something, sample the big three and just give me like a little like weekend tournament with three on three. You talk about like these super teams on that. Could you imagine like a draft or, you know, just random drafts or random picks three on three for the NBA, but these things are here for fun. I don't think they have to go away essentially, but we got to worry. We've got to really focus on simplifying them, making them a celebration of that game. And, and just like I said, simplifying it, we take the thinking out of it where fans can just kick back and enjoy something. But then, you know, the financials also get in there too, where a lot of people are scratching from the game. So the stars you really want to see are gone. Uh, the only one that is completely nonsense to me is, is the NFL, the pro bowl. Complete nonsense. And it's at the end of the season. It's not even the best players. It ends up being like the sixth or seventh guy elected to it because all the good players are either hurt or still playing. Well, with that, well, now even when when they moved the thing to the week before the Super Bowl, I kind of did like that a little bit because I'm more in NFL mode. You know, once the Super Bowl ends, you know, that next week, no thanks. You know, I'm done. I know what you got, what you got going on there. But you know what I'd really like to see for their for their Pro Bowl Always have it the week before. Obviously, you're not going to get the Super Bowl players, but you can still present it and just do the skill challenges. When they used to tape those out in Hawaii and then they'd air them, you know, like weeks later, those were what I tune in for. You know, the quarterback challenge or, you know, the speed challenge, things like that. That's what I'd really like to see. You talk about the skills challenge. If we don't get Zion Williamson in the dunk contest this year, I'm going to fucking riot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to have those stars like that. And, and this gets into the financials where agents are going out there and saying, nah, in case something goes wrong, dude, you're going to kill your shoe deal or something like that. You know, you know, we have to do away with that kind of mindset. I don't know if it's possible, but again, you know, it's about simplifying everything. Make it fun, especially for the young fans or, you know, make us or take it back to, you know, individuals like us. You no, know, what's so much fun in professional wrestling that we can feel like that we did when we were a kid. There's a reason that The Undertaker still works in 2019 because that entrance just gives you chills. You need to simplify things at times. I also feel like when you have the AFC playing the NFC every other week, when you have the Yankees playing the Mets twice a year, it loses the effect. Like that was the attraction of these all-star games when you could see the two conferences play against each other. And what would happen if you would find out in the all-star game. And now you just find out Tuesday on sports center. You know, one of the most iconic, iconic, you know, the memories scenes from the baseball all-star was coming around and slamming into Fauci and ending his career essentially. And it was because mainly it meant the world to Pete Rose to be in that all-star game. And he was defending the honor of the national league, you know, at, Uh oh. It wasn't no handshaking anything like that. They were coming out there for blood. Yeah. It's true. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find Huckleberry and I either today, depending on when this comes out, or tomorrow on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast at HTMPWPod, HittingTheMarks.com. Search Hitting the Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, tell the fans how to find you. 
Well, this is going to be a busy one this weekend, but I'm going to try to keep up with all things social media across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. But man, I know we're getting ready. Uh, we're taking a brief break here, getting ready to talk some professional wrestling. We'd say 41 matches. we got events every day, you know, every day from here on out. Welcome to G1 season. We'll talk to you in just a couple of minutes. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!